Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. This is Johnny Tan, author of From My Mama's Kitchen, Food for the Soul, Recipes for Living. Happy February and welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk radio show. Here's a quick announcement. Our February heart-centered and passion-driven Inspirations for Better Living digital magazine designed to help moms build a better future for themselves, their families, and loved ones. It's live at inspirationsforbetterliving.com. February's theme is family love, self-love, partner's love, it is the reverberation of Valentine's Day celebration. The magazine offers inspirational stories from our dedicated team of experts to help you navigate your current situation with confidence in your motherhood journey as the COO, if not the CEO of your family. So please go to inspirationsforbetterliving.com and treat yourself to some engaging, entertaining, and enlightening stories. You deserve it. As for our radio show this morning, my guest for today is Lachelle Atkins. Known as America's Supermom, Lachelle juggles marriage, career, and 15 children with a smile instead of stress. She overcame 13 years of depression and three hospitalization and now helps women create strategies for success without sacrificing their health. After her hospitalization in 2016, Lachelle walked away from the victim mindset, embracing a victory mindset. She created a signature six-week coaching program, Fresh Start, that allowed her to overcome stress, depression, and limiting beliefs. During the global pandemic of 2020, Lachelle created a hashtag Smile for Wellness movement to empower others to be proactive with their mental health. She believes everyone should begin each day with a smile check-in. Lachelle's platform of books, coaching, video, and speaking has extended to include community outreach with such organizations as Haven House, Children's Hospital of Atlanta, Communities in Schools, Henry's County Schools, and a national 30-day organizational campaign alongside Rachel Ray and organizing guru Peter Welch. Her live stream TV series, Real Life Without Excuses, is her latest venture to help women transform. Michelle is also one of our featured expert contributors to our February Inspirations for Better Living magazine. Please go to inspirationsforbetterliving.com to read her inspiring and empowering story. Good morning, sunshine, in the notes from the fridge section. As for our kitchen table conversation this morning, Lachelle and I will be having a conversation about her remarkable life's journey and how we can transform chaos, feeling overwhelmed and anxiety into clarity, focus, and confidence with a smile, and of course, family love. Happy Wednesday, Lachelle. Welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. How are you doing this morning? I am doing well, and thank you so much for that beautiful introduction. Um, I, I, I'm over here shaking in my boots. <laughs> it's just so funny to hear other people introduce you, but uh, I am honored to be here. So glad to have this opportunity to talk to you and your audience. So thank you for having me. Oh, it is my pleasure to have you with me. I am excited to learn more about you, your book, Do You Want to Be Whole? Seven Steps to Living Mass-Free, which is the foundation of your inspiring and empowering platform. So fantastic. Really, really excited about that. Let us get started by getting to know you a little better. Okay. Please give us a quick walk through your life from childhood to the present moment. And we do have the whole hour, by the way. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, thank you again. And, uh, you know, I started uh, my life journey as an only child. So I think that's the biggest value is that I go from being an only child to a mother of 15. And the joke <laughs> that I tell everyone is, be careful what you pray for, because I pray <laughs> all the time for siblings and uh, with the birthdays and Christmases, but I didn't know that I was going to be answering my own prayers. So <laughs> be careful what you But um Yes, so I was, uh, my mom was one of 12 children. She was the third oldest, and she felt like 
one child was enough for her because she uh, helped with uh, raising her younger siblings. And so, you know, she really wanted to um, leave the humble beginnings that she uh, had growing up and wanted to create a better life for um, me. And Mm -hmm. so uh, one of the things that really was a pivotal part in her uh, advancement and success with education. She was the first one for many years to get a college degree uh, from her siblings, and um, she just thought that that was a good gateway, so she raised me with that same mindset. So I was a high achiever, uh, gifted classes on a row. I remember uh, the first book that I ever read it was Are You My Mother? And I read that in daycare um, before I even started school. So uh, academics was something that uh, was very high in priority in my uh, household growing up. And so um, I believed it really set me on a good path, a good work ethic, and, um, you know, uh, just an idea mm-hmm. of dreaming, feeling like there was nothing that I could accomplish. And then fast forward to the present, uh, I think it was also one of the biggest problems uh, for me uh, being a mother to uh, 15 children because uh, I grew up with the mindset of getting a career, having that home, two kids, dog and a cat, white picket fence, and my life was nowhere near what that uh, goal was that I grew up having. And so um, I really had to learn how to navigate through what this new normal was for me mm-hmm. because a lot of my colleagues, they couldn't relate to having a big family. They couldn't relate to being a stay-home mom. Uh, so there were a number of issues that growing up, Uh, left it hard for me to be flexible and to learn, and that really, I believe, was the catalyst for a lot of depression that I went on on my journey uh, of trying to navigate through that. So that's just pretty much me in a nutshell to bring me to where I am today. (laughs) (laughs) Very, very interesting. I hear you. I try to remember, even though there are only two of us in the family, my sister and I, and, of course, we got a dog and two cats, I know it was stressful enough for my mom. <laughs> she had to have, okay, y'all, my me time moment. <laughs> right. So I could Absolutely. totally understand that. <laughs> Absolutely. What moments in your childhood impacted you most when you were growing up? Well, I spent a lot of summers with my grandmother, uh, my Mm. maternal grandmother. So she actually was um, the one who had 12 children. Her 12 children were what they call stair steps, where they Mm -hmm. were all, you know, uh, one year apart. Mm -hmm. And uh, there were a lot of different um, mindsets and wisdom and, you know, so many things that my grandmother taught me. I was uh, sharing this a couple of weeks ago that I felt that my grandmother talked to me like I was her peer. But Mm -hmm. later on, this has come to be revealed to me that she broke down what she was saying so simple that I could understand it as a child. Mm -hmm. And for Mm -hmm. me, that was really a profound uh, revelation because with uh, women from all different backgrounds, men too, uh, mm-hmm. I have learned how to navigate through communication, uh, being able to say uh, my points in a way that different audiences can grasp the meaning. And I attribute that to my maternal grandmother, uh, who was that mother of 12 children. Very, very interesting. Very interesting. Who were the role models as you started your own family? Well, there were not very many. (laughs) You know, being truthful, I think part of my struggle was the only role models that I could identify with were on soap operas. You know, Mm -hmm. a lot of my Mm -hmm. 
early in uh, raising my children was around, you know, watching these soap operas. And they would fly to London and, you know, everybody was financially uh, set on the things Mm -hmm. that they could have. And that really was not my reality. So Mm -hmm. in some aspects, I think that really added to the uh, feelings that I had around uh, being a stay-at-home mom. I loved it because I wanted to be there with my kids when they got home and uh, uh, go on field trips and things with them. But, you know, it was just this um, two different realities, you know, the Mm -hmm. reality that I saw on TV and the reality that I was living and no one in my immediate space understanding that, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, journey. Uh, I mm-hmm. had no one that I could relate to. So uh, I think that was also a thing where now I'm so passionate about sharing my story because I feel like there were not a lot of role models uh, for people really talking about the truth about what it's like to be a stay-at-home mom or, you know, uh, having a large family. So uh, I just said, you know, I'm going to have to just share my story so that there are more women that feel mm-hmm. comfortable speaking up about their story so that we can really inspire and encourage other mothers. Interesting. Very, very interesting. I know you mentioned a little bit about certainly you didn't plan to have 15 children. And I say that with full respect. You know what I'm talking about. You know, like when you're getting married and you have an idea about a family and so forth. So what kind of idea did you have at the time? I mean, because you are obviously <laughs> academically inclined and so forth. And then there's the sort of that sweet spot of flipping the chart, so to speak, right? Because you're going to be right. stay at home and all that. So uh, what happened within that process to whereby, okay, well, yeah, this is what I want to do and I feel good about it. And then whether we like it or not, we always envision things in our life. And so mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So um, when we first got married, uh, we mm-hmm. had our first child before we were married. And mm-hmm. we originally, wanted five. We thought five was a good number. Uh, After I had my first one, I really was uh, in a space of figuring out, oh my gosh, I don't know if I want more kids, you know, because you have, and you know, it's a scary thing. And uh, we had our second child, um, you know, close to the first one. And I think that's really what did it for me. It was, um, I had my children natural, uh, the 11 of them I did. And I had two that were a C-section because I was high risk and over 40. When we originally wanted to have five children, um, God just kept blessing me. You know, I I just, Mm -hmm. as we had them and they, you know, I had five children. They were natural childbirth. And, you know, I just really just surrendered to what I believe God wanted for us. And uh, that was really what my journey was about. It was about, um, you know, he made sure that I was healthy, uh, the kids were healthy, the deliveries went well. And Mm -hmm. so for me, it was just submitting and letting go. So that is really how we came to having 15. And I would not have um, envisioned that. I think, you know, Mm -hmm. for me, it's definitely... You know, we thought five. I thought I'm not going to have any kids after 30. Yeah, I did have a plan, but uh, my last child I had at age 42. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's not the plan, okay? It was definitely God's plan. <laughs> I understand. That, that's beautiful. That really is beautiful. This is the interesting part. So it's a natural nurturing instinct, right? So, you know, once we have kids and then all of a sudden right now, it's funny. It's like almost like my mom used to tell me, you know, like, I'm serving y'all. That's something wrong here. <laughs> right. And right. when does that shift that you realize that, wait, uh-uh, wait, wait, now, I am the family COO, if not the CEO of the family. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think I should have got that memo a lot earlier, uh, you know, just in full transparency. I didn't realize that until mm-hmm. my last hospitalization, mm-hmm. you know, because I realized yeah, yeah. that, you know, you just can't serve what you don't have, you right, know. And right, so right. 
all the years that I was on a routine or a Mm -hmm. system that I thought was serving me, um, I realized that I was coming from a space of lack, from a place Mm -hmm. of scarcity. And Mm -hmm. um, that is when I really realized that, you know, I can't give what I don't have. And Mm -hmm. I learned to really have that awareness and focus on um, filling my own cup up first so that I can pour from abundance, you know, and that was a game changer for me because um, for the years that I was uh, busy serving my family, you know, it was really me feeling like, you know, I was depleted. I felt like, Mm -hmm. you know, I really didn't have a voice. I felt like, you know, uh, I could just uh, put off what I wanted to do until they get older I mean, so many different mindset shifts took place after that last hospitalization that even now it's been since 2016 that I'm still working through a lot of that, you know, seven Mm -hmm. years later than my children because so many patterns and routines and beliefs I instilled in them that I'm trying to unlearn and help them to transform. So it still is the journey today. Right, right. This is interesting also because we're not talking about the everyday motherly love kind of thing here. It's got nothing to do right. with that. Yeah, because that's a natural right. instinct, whether you're a mom or not. You see somebody need help or this, assistant, we're just there, you see? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But this is more of that conscious choice in terms of the planning, the action, the strategic thing in terms of like, okay, let's map this whole thing out here. <laughs> yeah, and I'll give you a So, uh, and this is just something that I believe many moms can relate to, uh, Mm -hmm. just in uh, preparing food for dinner. Mm -hmm. So uh, when you're preparing for food for dinner, what I would do is serve my kids first, right? Mm -hmm. And I would eat last. And I transformed that because I, when I first got into my business, uh, I was a waitress Mm -hmm. uh, in order to... uh, accrue money to uh, pay for a business coach. Mm -hmm. And so I worked as a waitress and, uh, you know, I didn't want to take from her household. This was something I wanted to do for me. Mm -hmm. And I learned that in order for me to be a good waitress and be able to serve others, I had to serve myself first. So, for example, if I was hungry, if I had to use the restroom, if I had a headache, or any of those things, I would not be able to serve the people that came to the restaurant. So I had to learn to make sure that I had me together first before I Mm -hmm. greeted any guests. And so I took that same mindset to my home, and Mm -hmm. I now eat before I serve my kids. You know, because before I would make the food, if some of the kids didn't come to the table, I'm yelling and screaming, I did all this cooking. <laughs> Nobody's eating. Now, because I serve myself first, it's like, okay, you don't want to yeah. eat. Well, I'm going to put your plate up. It's going to be in the fridge. When you're ready, right. you can warm it up. I mean, just a better attitude. And right. so I think, yeah, you have to make sure that you get yourself together first because that's another extension of you being able to serve other people. You begin to serve people out of feeling like you're obligated to rather Mm -hmm. than because you are well and happy and full, and it makes a difference in how you show up with others. So true. Very, very true. What do you mean by a life without excuses is a mindset for greatness? Yes. So uh, I was on the app Clubhouse. And um, I was able to be in a room with Les Brown. Uh, Mm -hmm. Some of the audience may be familiar with him. And so he uh, challenged us to come up with a a word or an expression, a quote that was um, uniquely created by us. And um, I thought about it, and my mantra, you know, is to do life without excuse. And when you desire to um, do something, whether it's a dream or a goal, 
you have to make up your mind that you're committed to it. Because if you're not committed, the first problem that comes up, you're going to stop where you are, you're going to give up, and you're not going to see that uh, through to the finish line. So it takes being committed. And part of being committed is eliminating what I believe are the reasons we say, oh, I couldn't do this because, or the excuses. To me, reasons are just another mm-hmm. name for excuses. So when you learn that it's going to be a challenge, whatever you decide that you're going to aspire for, but you're committed to it, you're not going to let anything stop you from seeing that just a successful end. And so if you start out goal and you think excuses are not going to be a way out, you're never going to see those things as excuses. You're going to see them as opportunity, as challenges that are going to help you to get better on your journey to accomplishing your goal. Very interesting. That's true. So true. How did the superpower of America's supermom come into being? Yeah, you know, I uh, love this question because um, to me, I have a pledge that uh, is an acronym. I love acronyms, and that is something that really helps me to dive a little deeper with Mm -hmm. um, a lot of the things that I teach. And so uh, SUPER is an acronym that I have created my own pledge for. And the S stands for Stand Out. The U stands for Unite with the Tribe. The P is for a Positive Outlook. The E is for events, and the R is for recognize others. And so um, for me, the greatest power is in having a group, a team, uh, a family, you know, recognizing that you're not an island. And so this has really transformed a lot of my mindset because I grew up believing Mm -hmm. that I work hard enough, uh, I can have everything that I desire, but that mindset was at the expense of my own health. I was mm-hmm. working really hard. I was, you know, not uh, seeking help because I felt like that was a sign of weakness. And so I was acquiring all these things or striving for all these things, but it was at the expense of my own health. It was uh, you know, I was trying to do all these things alone rather than uh, having a team, um, having a tribe. And so now I understand that the greatest superpower we can have is coming together and uh, embracing working as a team and magnifying our mm-hmm. impact with the light that we all uh, shine in the world. Beautiful. That's true. It's a collective effort versus a personal yep. effort. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Please share with us the Fresh Start program. Yes. Yeah, so this is my signature program. This is the uh, result of my 13 years of depression. And um, I had an aha after my last hospitalization for the first time because I never really took the time to reflect to have an awareness about, you know, uh, this situation. And I realized after my third one, hmm, this is a pattern. You know, this is my third (laughs) time being in the hospital. You know, what about this situation uh, can I change? And so uh, that is when I realized that I had to take accountability. I had to really admit where I was in life. And that was the only way that I was going to be able to take my power and use it to work for me instead of being a victim. So uh, with that awareness, I made the choice that I didn't want to have a fourth, a fifth, or sixth, or whatever number Mm -hmm. would come next uh, of another hospitalization. And so as I reflected, I really began to ask myself some hard questions about, You know, what were my patterns? What were my triggers? You know, how am I going to begin to turn things around and set myself on a different path? And so uh, the Fresh Start is uh, what I created uh, for my coaching. 
and uh, it is an acronym as well. So the F stands for Use in Fear as Fuel. So as I mentioned earlier, uh, I realized that it was a pattern, and I was afraid that it could be more hospitalizations if I didn't do something different. And mm-hmm. so instead of uh, paraly- living in paralysis about the situation, I turned that fear into fuel and educating myself into, you know, what is depression? You know, what are some things that I need to be doing to turn the corner on my mindset? You know, I just became very um, uh, engaged and just immersed into learning. And so that was the first pillar was using that fear and turning it into fuel. After that one, it is uh, reframing my past. So what I had noticed in prior hospitalizations was that uh, I got to a point where I would get home, I would feel well, and I did not want to even think about where I came from. I wanted to pretend that that hospitalization didn't exist. I wanted to kind of like not talk about it, uh, not deal with it, and as a result, it came up again. And so when I learned to reframe my story, I learned to not be embarrassed about Mm -hmm. the journey that I'm going. I learned to embrace that part of me and learn the lessons so that I can talk about it in a way that was empowering, not just to myself, but to other women who might have experienced the same thing. The E was envisioning my success. So the reality that I saw and what I was building was different than what I was living because I was still in the same house. I still had the same family, same spouse, same car. A lot of the things were the same, but I had changed. Mm -hmm. So I screensavers on my phone. I did vision boards. I have a lot of um, expressions, you know, uh, visual Mm -hmm. cues through uh, different things that say, hello, beautiful, love yourself, you know, whatever. All these things are in my office and my phone Mm -hmm. now because I had to make sure I had those affirmations outside of me to remind me uh, of the reality that I was creating for myself. The mm-hmm. S was a support group or tribe. So connecting with people that resonated with my story or they were helping me to continue to uh, create strategies to uh, begin a new life for myself. And this was really a very pivotal part because it's like someone who goes on a diet. You decide that you're going to lose weight and you're not really strong in this mission. You're just starting out. But then you come home and you tell your whole family. They're definitely <laughs> not a desire. So then after a week later, everybody falls off the wagon because you were trying mm-hmm. to lead them when you weren't strong enough to lead them yourself, right? Mm-hmm. And so yeah. with a support group, they help you to continue to get stronger without having to feel that you have to transform the world to do so. You can start transforming in ways that you're strong enough to transform. You know, I drink water all the time, so I can be a good leader for my kids in drinking more water because that's what they see me doing all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, that's my first go-to. Mommy, I'm thirsty. There's no juice. Drink water. That's what I have. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What you're Mm -hmm. telling other people. And then the last element is healing understanding that the journey to uh, getting better and uh, continuing to improve is a constant journey. And Mm -hmm. one example I give is we all may have a leg injury, but it shows up. One of us may uh, be limping. Someone may be in a cast. Someone may be in a wheelchair. Somebody may be bedridden. So if we all have an injury, we're not sure what level other people's injuries are, so mm-hmm. their healing is going to be different based on how uh, severe the injury is. So that is the fresh start. And so it's a six-week coaching program that I uh, share with uh, my clients. Excellent. I think you hit it right on the nose, and you're very thorough and very detailed, and that's what I love about it. And most importantly, it's about 
investing in yourself because nourishment starts from within and from there that ripple effects just sort of permeates throughout the home, the neighborhood, yeah. the community and everything else. So it's beautiful, beautiful. How Thank does you. how does the smile check in work? I love this. <laughs> yes. So this is something that I created during the pandemic because um I thought, okay, I have a program for people when they are uh, coming out of whatever. It may not be depression. It could be anxiety. Mm -hmm. It could be a transformation within your family, Uh, you know, anything I believe Mm -hmm. a fresh start can help you with. But um, we had so many reports about, oh, the youth and different people are going to be struggling emotionally as a result of this pandemic. We've got social distancing, people wearing masks. And I felt like, okay, are we just going to wait till people have the challenges before we do something? We need to be proactive. And so that's where I came up with the smile. So one, flashing a smile was a good thing for other people, helping them to realize that they're not alone, that they're seen, and people value them with just a smile. But it's also an acronym. And this is something that we can do ourselves to check in with these pillars, and they are sleep, mood, inner voice, laughter, and energy. So any of those areas, for me, I was at a deficit at all of them during my journey of depression. You know, on the outside, I was being active, but I was uh, dealing with no sleep, you know, and I learned later that uh, not having sleep is uh, you could be uh, measured as twice the legal limit of uh, alcoholic intake, uh, that's what it shows up as when you're sleep deprived. You know, they've been doing studies on it. So just imagine the lack of clarity, unable to make good decisions, all that from not having sleep. And so um, those are areas that a lot of people, if they feel uncomfortable they have a friend or a family member, they notice that things are a little off, they can begin to ask them, so how much sleep have you been getting? You know, where you're not, Mm -hmm. like you're infringing on them. When was the, you know, telling them jokes, you know, showing them funny videos, just to make them laugh and kind of, you know, because I was in a fog. I was on autopilot. I was just existing you know, just trying to make it through another day. So if you have someone who has a clear objective on asking questions around those five pillars, it's a good trigger that can get people present where they're not in a fog. They can begin to realize, man, you know, the days run together. If someone was to ask me how much sleep I was getting, I might have been triggered a lot earlier to realize that I had to change something because I was right. sleeping like three or four hours a night, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's what the smile check-in is. Wonderful. That's beautiful. And it reminds you to kind of check in and being in the present moment pretty much. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And so that's really beautiful. You're listening to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. I'm Johnny Tan, your host. Our podcasts are available on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitches Radio, Blueberry Podcasting, TuneIn Radio, MixCloud, Podchaser, Listen Notes, and Hop Hopper. Here's a quick reminder to treat yourself to our heart-centered and passion-driven Inspirations for Better Living digital magazine at inspirationsforbetterliving.com. February's theme is Family Love, Self Love, Partners Love, it is the reverberation of Valentine's Day celebration. My guest for today is Lachelle Atkins. Known as America's supermom, Lachelle juggles marriage, career, and 15 children with a smile instead of stress. She overcame 13 years of depression and three hospitalization and now helps women create strategies for success without sacrificing their health. After her hospitalization in 2016, Rochelle walked away from the victim mindset, embracing a victory mindset. She created a signature six-week coaching program, Fresh Start, that allowed her to overcome stress, depression, and limiting beliefs. During the global pandemic of 2020, Rochelle created a hashtag, Smile for 
wellness movement to encourage others to be proactive with their mental health. She believes everyone should begin each day with a small check-in. LaShelle's platform of books, coaching, videos, and speaking has extended to include community outreach with such organizations as Haven House, Children's Hospital of Atlanta, Communities in Schools, Henry's County Schools, a national 30-day organizational campaign alongside Rachel Ray and organizing guru Peter Welch. Her live stream TV series, Real Life Without Excuses, is the latest venture to help women transform. Lachelle is also one of our featured expert contributors to our February Inspiration for Better Living magazine. Please go to inspirationsforbetterliving.com to read her inspiring and empowering story, Good Morning Sunshine, in the notes from the fridge section. As for our kitchen table conversation this morning, Lachelle and I are having a conversation about her remarkable life's journey and how we can transform chaos, feeling overwhelmed, and anxiety into clarity, focus, and confidence with a smile, and family love, of course. Michelle, what is awareness to you? This is really, um, I think, awareness, and it, it, it's a hard question um, because a lot mm-hmm. of us, you know, we walk away from awareness. You know, we want to um, not be present. You know, it's like, you know, we have so many distractions. But to me, simple awareness is being present with whatever you're feeling or thinking. You know, um, when you're present with pain, you are able to determine where the pain is coming from. You know, so if I hit my knee and I have an awareness, then I am going to pause I'm going to really take some time to recognize where's that pain coming from, and then I can act accordingly. But what we have been doing a lot of times is walking away from this awareness, then um, putting Band-Aids on open wounds or uh, having all these other uh, self-medicating things that we're doing that prevent us Mm -hmm. from being conscious to pain or discomfort or things that can help us to live better versions of ourselves. And so when we have awareness, we're able to be in tune with what is happening with us because we're just, you know, as we interact with other people, we're interacting as an extension of who we are inside. Mm -hmm. And when don't have that inner knowledge we are running around hiding behind the mask of trying to fit into the mold that we believe that other people want us to be in. We're trying to say what we think other people think we should say. We're trying to live how we think other people think we should live, uh, hiding behind labels, and the list can go on and on. So when you have awareness, you're clear about who you are, what your purpose is, and how you're serving in the world. So true. It's about not being in denial anymore because that's where you create that strength in terms of, hey, there's something wrong here. I don't have to have the solution, but I know this is not right. (laughs) Exactly. And, you know, along with that, too, is uh, when you're able to face that, you can forgive yourself. I love this. I added it in my book, and it's Mm -hmm. uh, by Winfrey. And she says that forgiveness is letting go of the hope that the past could have been any different. And so if you realize that um, you've let go of trying to recreate the past, you've learned to accept it, you've learned to forgive yourself, then you can move forward and you can um, be the best version of you, right? Mm -hmm. And, And it doesn't have to be where... Um, you get caught into this trap of everything being perfect. You learn to uh, really embrace the full person that you are, the good, the bad, the ugly. And Mm -hmm. it just takes for you being able to show up as yourself wherever you are. And that's the game changer. Right. So true. Why is personal accountability essential? If you are personally accountable, then you don't have to wait for anybody else to come to your rescue. 
you know, you realize mm-hmm. that as a person who is accountable for your own success, that if it's going to be, it's up to you, and you don't have to wait for anybody else's permission. You know, you can take accountability for how you choose to show up and how you choose to respond rather than react to other things. You know, as you begin to really recognize how you want to show up, what your values are, you have the power to live those values out regardless of whatever stimulus comes your way. Now, we're not going to always have the perfect and ideal scenario. One of the major things that transformed me after my last hospitalization was I made up my mind that I wanted to be happy. And, Mm -hmm. of course, there's a lot of things that happen in my life that aren't happy. I have a daughter who's 23 that's struggling with depression as I had, and Mm -hmm. she has been in a behavioral hospital. But the issue is it is a filter for how you choose to respond. It makes you pause and think about if you want to come from a place of happy, what does that look like? How do do you behave if you want to be happy? How do you talk? How do you treat others if you want to be happy? And it's just like um, it really helps you to move forward in a positive way. Right, right. To me, personal accountability is taking ownership, basically, good, bad, ugly. It's irrelevant. The point is you can't point it to somebody else. Well, they did this, and it caused me that. It doesn't work anymore. So true. And and again, that's where your power comes from, because regardless Mm -hmm. of what someone else did, you still have the power to change that situation. It's Mm -hmm. up to you. And what are you going to do about it? You know, because right. the more through the blame thing, the mm-hmm. more you're stay in that cycle. Nothing's right. going to change. You're right. not empowering yourself to change. You're just going to be like, okay, it, you're going to just transfer that power to the next person. Oh, they didn't do this, so that's why mm-hmm. I couldn't do it. You know, we're back to that excuses, right? That right. People tell them. Yeah. Right. That brings me to how do you define inner change? Yeah, I believe that um, there really isn't inner change. I believe that you are confident to show what's inside of you to the world. Mm -hmm. And so as you begin to your transformation uh, from I think we are conditioned to be like everybody else. You know, for example, you know, when you get a job, they give you a uniform. They tell you how to uh, behave with the company culture. When you go Mm -hmm. to school, they tell you how to behave in the classroom. They tell you how to do, how to write a paper, what the rubric is. You know, we're we're always trying to follow a different blueprint. Mm -hmm. And don't really incorporate enough of people being themselves. So the challenge is that we're hearing and following everybody else, and we're not confident in following our own voice. And so the journey is getting back to trusting your intuition, doing what feels good to you. You know, you you have to build confidence, and you have to forgive yourself for ignoring that. You know, there's Mm -hmm. times when uh, kids feel like, oh, I don't know, I don't feel comfortable. You know, they say you can, you can tell a judge a per, of a person's character by kids and, and, and pets. If the pets or the kids don't like someone, you know, they can read that energy that sometimes adults are not conscious of. Mm-hmm. That's a telltale mm-hmm. sign. There's many times that kids, you know, oh, go ahead, your uncle, that's your uncle, and later <laughs> on we find out. You know, things happen that are unfortunate. So I think we have to nurture and help people to realize that there's nothing wrong with you. You are enough as you are. You were made and created for a purpose from God, but you have to nurture them being confident to be able to express that. So it does appear to be like an interchange, but it is really confident in showing up as you regardless of wherever you are, you're at. That's where I believe the change is taking place. That's true. That's very true. 
the mm-hmm. inner change is basically the embracing I matter. Right. And it doesn't matter if I stand alone, I matter because it's what exactly. I believe in. Absolutely. And it's it's about, you know, really just um, it's not like it's something you have to do. It's mm-hmm. not something you have to prove. You just matter, period. Mm-hmm. You know, and if no one sees value in that, you seeing value in that is enough because that impacts your beliefs, that imp- impacts how you behave, how right. you think. It's, it's a snowball effect. So, right. um, yeah. Very, very interesting. That's very true. So please tell us, how does the heart contribute to self-knowledge? Well, it is like your, uh, what do I want to say? It's like a, a boundary, you know, for mm-hmm. certain things. You know, or, you know, now, mm-hmm. um, I'm trying to think of the different words because it's about, you know, always being able to have visualization for others. Yes. But, um you know, it's it's the 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 one area that monitors how you're feeling about something. And uh so for example, um if someone says something, you know, it is really the one barometer that lets you know how to respond. So if someone says something uh, let's say, oh, you know what? I really didn't like that fresh start. It just didn't work for me, right? The heart mm-hmm. is the one that helps you gauge how you're, you know. Mm-hmm. So if someone says something and that may offend me, where is that offense coming from? Now, one way I could look at it and I could say, you know, why am I offended? Because there's an abundance of philosophies in the world because we have so many different people who think differently. And I'm not going to be, my philosophy is not a one-size-fits-all. It Mm -hmm. may not work for some people. And so why am I offended at that? So to me, I feel like your heart is your own mirror for how you navigate through life. Because if I say, well, I'm offended by that, I have to go back and check myself and say, why am I offended? You know, what is it about that? to what they're saying, this is where the personal accountability comes into play. Because it's right. not about what the person said, because words have no value. They're just mm-hmm. neutral. But it's the meaning we attach to the words, right? Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. makes the difference because whatever we believe, that's going to dictate how we behave. So if I believe that the fresh start has no meaning, going to, one, maybe doubt myself, or I'm going to have an animosity with this, what this person said against them. Right. Both right. of those are not positive. You see right. what I'm saying? So yeah. if we oh, choose yeah. to have a positive outlook, then we use our heart as an accountability for ourselves to say, you know what, I'm going to choose to figure out how I can navigate through this in a way that aligns with my values. That may be hard. It may not be popular, but it's what's best for me in order mm-hmm. for me to show up as my best self. Oh, yes. Very, very true. Mm-hmm. How did you turn your fear, sadness, and anxiety, how did that morph into self-empowerment? Well, I feel like um, a lot of the things that I was fearing as mm-hmm. I talk to other people, and as I really reflected in my own situation, they are made up in my head. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, you it's know, true. We are worst enemy, worst critique. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And I would create these scenarios that were way worse than what was actually happening. And so once I realized that, you know, I just began to take baby steps and dispel the things that I was creating. You know, I I tell Mm -hmm. people one of the first things I did was stop having a conversation with myself and start (laughs) having a conversation with the person in front of me. So, like, you know, you may have a spouse, for example. I'm not going to tell them that because they're going to do this and they're going to do that. You've got to create a whole scenario in your head without 
the other person in front of you the opportunity to share their belief or whatever, right? You, you're mm-hmm. just creating your monster. So when I learned to have those conversations, real conversations, instead of head conversations, that's when a <laughs> lot of things happen for me. <laughs> that's true. It's very, very true because we talk ourselves out of so many things. And my mom used to tell me, one of my moms says, as easy as you talk yourself out of something, you can talk yourself into something. <laughs> Plain yeah. and simple. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. What is the best way of being vulnerable but without losing one's dignity? Great question. And I learned this early in my uh, career as a coach. Mm-hmm. I listened to a podcast, and the gentleman said, you know, as you build your skill set and as you mm-hmm. get better at your field, people are going to put you on a pedestal. But the the uh, power is that you don't have to stay there. He said, because when you're on a pedestal, you are above the people. You're not connected to them. You're looking down on them in a lot of cases, he said. Mm-hmm. But when you get down from the pedestal and you walk amongst the people, they can relate to you. They can right. understand you. And so I think the key to being vulnerable is speaking from your scars. Now, mm-hmm. not every situation that you go through, you may not be ready to be vulnerable about that situation because the outcome hasn't occurred yet, you know. Mm-hmm. And so you sometimes have to give yourself space. But when you speak from your scars, things that you have healed from, there is power in that because people can relate to pain. Right. Everybody can relate to pain. The pain may have a different trigger. You know, it may be mm-hmm. the result of a different type of uh, accident or uh, journey. However, that's the common denominator that many people can relate to. And so the more relatable you are, the more relevant people feel that you can help them, you Mm -hmm. know, because they're going through. Because what a lot of people do is when they see someone who is maybe at the peak of their career or whatever, they begin to put barriers up. They're like, oh, you know what, they don't understand what I go through. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, I'm a single mom. You know, life is easy for her and all these other things. They come up with a million ways that you're different and how you might have things better. So when you're able to expose your own pain, then they realize, wow, okay, so she does have a lot of kids, but she understands the pain of being a mom, the pain of sacrifice, the pain of childbirth, you know, and you start realizing Mm -hmm. we have more in common than what we have different and people will listen and they can get value you're sharing. So, yeah. Right, so true. That's very, very true. When does gratitude fit into the equation? This is a daily thing because mm-hmm. I think a lot of times people get stuck mm-hmm. and we don't value what we have. We don't value who we are, ourselves. And that self-belief is strong because it dictates your behavior and how you show up. And so if you believe that you are important, that you matter, that you have value, then you're going to be able to be a conduit and an asset to other people because you're going to be able to uh, model that for them. Mm -hmm. So gratitude is important in realizing that, you know, it is a gift. All these things that we have, yeah, we may work for them. Yeah, we may connect with certain people. But at the end of the day, it's still um, a result of being in places, speaking your truth, connecting with the right people, having all these things happen. You know, I, I, mm-hmm. a quick story about my husband and I. We mm-hmm. um, knew each other in college. He was a, a classmate of my roommate. And mm-hmm. we got separated um, from school. He graduated. He went somewhere else. We came to Atlanta for a spring break, and I saw him in line at a club somewhere mm-hmm. else in the world, but we connected there, and that's where our journey began. But um, so, 
being present and being in the right place at the right time happens with gratitude. Because if you don't have gratitude, you're not going to have the desire to do anything. You're not going to have the desire to show up. You're not going to have the desire to connect with people. So gratitude is a lifeline for keeping you going. That's true. Very true. How do we create an environment that draws the best collaborative spirit from the people around us? I think, one, being honest about our own strengths and honest about our weaknesses and understanding that you're not an island and other people can do what you're not good at and making room for them. There are some people that get intimidated by other people being good at things that they're not good at. But if you understand, I love this analogy, I I compare it to a Thanksgiving meal. Mm -hmm. You have the turkey. Your meal can continue to grow the more that people bring side dishes, whether Mm -hmm. it's corn, whether it's green beans, mashed potatoes, gravy. The more people at the table bring in different dishes, the bigger the meal gets and it feeds more people. So if you look at it as sharing the spotlight rather than being in the spotlight, you'll be able to make it where it's a collaborative, peaceful environment for everybody to thrive. Very, very interesting. You're so right about that. Speaking about meals, what are your thoughts about family breaking bread together? I love it because you're able to connect generations you're able to make sure everybody is seen and heard. Uh, it even impacts what you serve when you're mm-hmm. breaking bread. So what does everybody like? And, you know, just the talking and fellowship, the stories, the laughter, uh, so many things you can learn about others and your family just by being able to break bread together. Interesting. That's true. So true. I mean, I grew up that way. There's no substitute for it. That's where you learn about family members and relatives and so forth, storytelling. You know what I'm talking about? Storytelling. (laughs) Absolutely. Do you have an advice on the best and easiest way to get on track with self-love? Start by looking in the mirror. Uh, Create an (laughs) affirmation. I love you. That's it. I love you. I'm, uh, you know, I appreciate you. Start saying that to yourself in the mirror every day. And eventually, you'll believe it. So true. I mean, starts from within. Mm-hmm. You matter, basically, in a nutshell. You matter. You are somebody. You, you matter. Mm-hmm. Where can someone go to buy your books, get more information about your services, and keep up with your latest happenings? Uh, my book is on Amazon, so they can order it there. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn, all social media platforms. They can just Google America's Supermom, because I believe in spreading the message <laughs> of mental wellness. So I am everywhere. Fantastic. That's really wonderful. So what's next for you, Lachelle? Uh, I am always, my goal is to collaborate with Oprah Winfrey and Jimmy Fallon. I believe mm-hmm. their audiences have many people that can benefit from tools and strategies for mental wellness. So that's on my mission for 2023. That sounds fantastic. As we close the hour, since our show is about people and family and living life, would you like to share a recipe for living with our listeners this morning? Yes. The recipe for living is uh, smile, be kind, and um, remember to fill your cup up first and uh, continue to shine your light in the world. Beautiful. That's really wonderful. Michelle, thank you for the wonderful recipe for living and for spending this hour with me. I'm from my mama's kitchen talk radio to all our listeners. Please join me in two weeks, Wednesday morning, March 8th at 10 a.m. Central time us. My guest will be Holly Dickerson. Holly is a thought leader, light worker and author of multiple books. She is a mass influencer with 8 million followers on social media. The message Holly shares as a joyful guide is about creating joy in your life. She is a mother of four who are now grown adults. Holly has been a facilitator for multiple organizations as an outdoor education trainer and a master trainer for Leave No Trace Outdoor Ethics. She is also a certified laughter leader. 
Holly and I will be having a conversation about her remarkable life's journey and her inspiring view about women empowerment. For additional information about this show and future shows, please go to FromMyMama'sKitchenTalkRadio.com. Thank you for listening and have a blessed week. Michelle, it has been a true pleasure, ma'am. And thank you again and have a very delightful and blessed week. Oh, thank you as well. Thank you. Bye-bye.